0: Now, Elijah said this to Ahab. He said, up on your feet, eat and drink, celebrate, because rain is on the way. I hear it coming. Now, Ahab did it. He got up, he ate, and he drank. And meanwhile, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Chocolate Caramel. That's what my version says. Um, Maybe not, all right? He bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant, listen, on your feet now, and I want you to go look towards the sea. He went. He looked. He reported back. I don't see a thing. Keep looking, said Elijah, seven times if necessary. And sure enough, the seventh time he said, oh, yes, yes. There's a cloud, but listen, it's very small. It's no bigger than someone's hand, and it's rising up out of the sea. Quickly then, on your way, tell Ahab, saddle up and get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. Things happen fast. fast. The sky grew black and the wind-driven clouds, and then this, a huge cloudburst of rain with Ahab hightailing it on his chariot for Jezreel, then then this happens. God strengthened Elijah mightily. He pulled up his robe, tying it around his waist. Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. My man put his belt on, tied it up, and ran in front of a chariot. You've got to be fast to run in front of a chariot, y'all. I, I did a little bit of research this week. And some of, some of y'all in here even are kind of crazy like this. Y'all do this, these things called marathons, where apparently you just run for 26 miles. Who does this? There's this invention called an automobile. You just drive. But people do this. People actually run. There's these this marathons. And, and I looked it up. It's like So elite runners... Uh, that run in just world class uh, events and this 26 point two marathons, they could run it in just a little over two hours. That is fast y 'all that 's lightning. It takes me two hours to get out of Walmart. <laughs> two hours I mean, people just gone, just just fast, you know and, and this happened a few years ago, well, it was actually quite a few years ago, but I became a new dad and um, My wife had this kind of bright idea of, hey, honey, look, they're having this this 5K. Wouldn't it be a good thing for you to go and spend some quality time with your daughter? You could strap her on your chest like a little backpack thingy, and you and her can run a 5K together. Like, no, this doesn't sound like a good idea at all. (laughs) Like, when have you ever seen me run ever? Ever ever, like not even bomb threats, I'm like, I'll get there in a minute, <laughs> but she talks me into it, and I said, okay, and so I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun, it's going to be a little father-daughter bonding time, so I get Kobe, she's, she's like six months old, and she's strapped in, and her little feet are hanging, her arms, and her, her head's just looking out, and, and the race, everybody lines up, the race starts, and, and like, I'm like, I'm not going to run, I'm going to just, I'm going to do a brisk walk. And I'm just going to, me and Kobe are going to have some father-daughter time. Let me tell you what happened. It wasn't 30 seconds into the 5K that the girl falls asleep on me. And I'm like, this is supposed to be bonding time. And I'm like poking her. like, come on, wake up. You know, shaking. The girl's just out the whole race. I mean, and it took me like an hour to do this 5K, which I think is like two miles or something. I don't know how, you know. And so... My man here, you know how fast you got to be to outrun a chariot? He's got to be flying. And the key to this, though, is it says God strengthened him. When God strengthens you, man, you do some things that you can't do in your own strength. You do some things that, see, I'll be riding in the chariot. (laughs) You got to move over. But with the strength of God... Come on. Now, scholars believe from where they were at at the mountain to where they were going in Jezreel could have been anywhere from 17 to 25 miles. Like, that's a long ways to run. That is a, and, and he does it. God strengthens him. And, and, and I'm just wondering this morning, what if, what if God was to strengthen us like that? What if God was to put some strength in us where we could run our race just like he ran um, you know, in the middle of this 5K, I'm there and she's asleep and, and all my hopes and dreams of being a good dad are being shattered because I'm like, all right, come on. And halfway through, I'm thinking to myself, God, if you could just kind of shorten this up, if I could find a shortcut somewhere, I'm going to take it. I don't care. This is a charity thing. I don't care what it is. I'm going to take that shortcut. And, and I'm just asking God, come make this journey a little bit shorter. And he didn't. It was actually quite long with this 17-pounder, however big she was. By that time, I don't know, how old is the baby? Six months. I don't know. She was probably only like seven pounds. Felt like 17 pounds. <laughs> anyway, he didn't, didn't shorten the race, you know, and then the race is over and she wakes up. And, and I just got to thinking, isn't that kind of true in life when it comes to prayer and to asking God? Like we, we're always asking God to, like, to shorten the track. God, if you could just make this a little bit easier, God, if you, could just, if you could just put this, this, this in the way, and you can make it easier, God, that would be so much good. And, now, and what God answers back oftentimes is, listen, maybe I don't want to make it easier. Maybe I want to make you stronger. Maybe I want to put some strength in you that you didn't know you had. But the only way you're going to do it is if you start doing things that you've never done. And maybe for some of us it's time to start outrunning some chariots, Maybe it's time to like, all right, God, whatever you want to do, you can put that in us. Um, I don't know if he's here this morning. My buddy, Keith, he is, he's 48 years old, and we used to do these surf trips, and it would, uh, I, I'm 38, Keith's 48, and then there'd be some like, some young punks with us, too. There'd be some some 18-year-olds, you know, y- y'all know, y'all, and all this, you know, the energy when you were 18 and 19, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and We would go surfing on these trips, and Keith, not that 48's old, but it ain't exactly, you know, uh, come on, y'all. Hey, you ain't exactly like running marathons. Anyway, my man's out there, and he out-surfs all of us all the time. I'll like make it my mission, all right, we're all getting in the water. I'm not going to get out of the water until Keith gets out the water. He'd always outsurf me. We have actually. My pastor is in the house this morning, Mr. Tim Holt. Stand up for everybody. Come on now, Mr. Mr. Holt is sixty-three years old, and he outsurfs me every time. I'm like, man, what is this strength that y'all got? What is it? I'm like over there. I'll I'll be having a heart attack. I mean, like lying on the ground, tired. And then some like, no, there's some strength. And wouldn't it be nice to have some of that? And I think there's some key elements in this story that we read to getting that kind of strength. Because we look at this, and if I was to give you a little bit of background of what just happened in the scripture that we read here in First Kings, is um, there's been this showdown where the prophet has encountered all these other prophets of Baal. And, and, and the prophet has called down fire from heaven said, like, Everyone sees this fire consume an altar, and they're like, wow, yeah, his God, that's the true God. But if we were to back up even further, there's this moment where Ahab is king, and he's a bad king. And Ahab, uh, is just, he's, just, he's killing the nation, and Elijah's just had enough. He draws this line in the standing, and he stands up against the, the king, and he says these words, listen, it's not going to rain again until I say so. And so from chapter 17 to chapter 18 in the scripture that we just read, there's actually a period of three and a half years, three and a half years where it doesn't rain a drop. Nothing. Now think about this for a moment. My man has said this. He stood up in front of of thousands and thousands of people. He said, listen, it ain't going to rain, not a drop. And then he just rolls. Now all of a sudden, things start getting really dry, Crops start dying, and they start, hey, we need to send out search parties for Elijah because he, he hasn't turned the rain back on. <laughs> Somebody's got to tell him he's got to turn it back on. You know, it's that moment where, like, you've left the house. you like, did I forget the iron on? I don't know. And they're wondering, like, did he forget he's supposed to turn it back on? It's been three and a half years. It's dry. And they're waiting, and they're looking for him. And then all of a sudden, he kind of shows back up on the scene, and this happens. And all the attention's on him. All the eyes are on him. Fires come down from heaven. And it says this, he climbed up the mountain, and he prayed. And he prayed. Now, now, if you were to look at, at the prophet's life, and, and we're, we're going to take the next few weeks and really look at some of the things that happened and, and all of the miracles, you could begin to believe that. Man, Elijah was special. I mean, he, he, was, he was the man. I mean, he prayed. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed. Fire calls down from heaven and it consumes the altar. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens. And you can look at his life and think, there has to be something special about him. But then we get to the book of James. And we get to the book of James in chapter 5. And, and James is speaking. He says this. Do you guys not know that, listen, there there was Elijah and he he prayed and for three and a half years it didn't rain and he was a man just like us. And so James does a good job of just saying, listen, let me lay out the grounds of equality because it's easy for you to look at him and kind of think that he's just kind of the superhero of the bunch, but he's like, no, 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 he was a man just like us. But here here goes the thing he prayed. And James goes on to tell us, like, there is power in prayer. He says, listen, is there any sick among you? Call. And call for the elders of the church that they would, we would do what? We would pray. And he, he's relating the sickness, and he's, he even says, like, if any of you are struggling, you should pray. And sometimes I think when we get to this point where we talk about prayer, prayer often becomes this kind of last resort, it's like, well, what, well, I don't know. I'm just praying. Like, no, 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 not just praying. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. Prayer says, listen, not another drop, and it doesn't do it for three and a half years. Prayer, prayer prays, and then all of a sudden it starts raining again. Prayer does amazing, amazing things. Prayer changes things. Now, listen to this. If you enter... Into the presence of God in prayer, and you leave that place unchanged, that just means you're not finished praying yet. See, you can't enter into the presence of God and not be changed. You can't enter into the presence of our Savior, of the God who speaks a word and causes mountains to form and not be changed. If you've prayed and you've walked away and you're still as frustrated and you're still as angry, that means, you know what, you haven't finished praying yet. Because here's the thing about prayer. See, sometimes our prayers start from a place of frustration. They start from a place of, oh, Lord, she's done it again. This girl has burnt the chicken again. If you would just change my wife. Lord, if you would just change my kids. If you would just change my boss, oh, he's done it again. And it starts from this place of just, it's happened again. It's done it, whatever it might be, it's this frustration. Like, you don't believe me? Let's look in, real quick, the book of Psalms. Pretty much pick any psalm you want. If David wrote it, there's this pattern that takes place. I picked one from Psalms 91 where David's praying, and the prayer starts out like this. Oh, God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I'm crying to you for help. My heart is overwhelmed. I've had a bad day. Things are not going right. I'm crying out to you, God. Are you hearing me? And then by the end of the psalm, we hear this. God, you're my protection forever. You're my unfailing love. Your faithfulness watches over me, and I'm gonna sing praises to your name forever. I, listen to this, here, here it goes. I will fulfill my vows every day. Did you catch that? He goes from a place where I'm overwhelmed to I can do this. See, here's the thing about prayer. Sometimes it, it starts out where we want God to change somebody else or something else, but sometimes the thing that God wants to change is you. Sometimes what happens in prayer is the thing that needs to change is me. And I love reading the psalms because I love the honesty of David. I love that, that he could go out there and he could just pour out his heart. And he has these psalms where he's like, God, just kill him, all of them. all of them enemies. Strike him down. Kill him. And by the end of the psalm, he's like, God, you, you, you know what's best. And I'm going to praise you no matter what. And I love it. I just, I love that prayer does this. It changes things. It, it changes us. And we enter into the presence of God. And, and hold on, just a little side note for everyone. A little kind of leadership side note for everyone. Whenever you have to confront somebody about a, a hard issue, or, or something's happened, and you, you, you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm going to have to deal with this issue with someone else, wife, husband, boss, employee, friend. You should never confront them until you've prayed for them. You should never confront them until you've prayed for them. Because if you're just in the flesh, you're going to want to, well, let me tell you what I really think. Let me tell you this, and I want to just, mm, and you're going to say something that you're going to regret. And see, I've learned that I can't confront somebody until I've spent time in prayer with them. And sometimes it takes a long time to get me to that place where I can say, God, I truly want the best for them. Now, I'm still going to have to deal with this issue, but God, I'm doing it out of love, and I'm not doing it out of frustration. I'm not doing it out of anger and being in my flesh, but I'm doing it out of the spirit. And God, I've spent time, and the thing that's changed is me. Prayer, it changes things. The the spirit of God inside of comes alive. Prayer is this journey upwards. And even the prophet here, uh, I think it's even symbolic that, listen, he climbs the mountain up only to bow low. He climbs the mountain up only to bow low. The humility of this man He's just called down fire from heaven. You can imagine, there's there's hundreds and thousands of people probably that are looking to him. All eyes are on him. Did you see what he did? Man, this guy is awesome. And his very first act is to bow down, to say, listen, it's not about me, it's about him. See, that is true leadership. True leadership knows when all the eyes go on me, I've just got to point it back to him. I'm not going to steal the glory. I'm not going to steal the credit because he knows that he's messed up. Because he knows in just a a little while, in a few verses, he's going to be running for his life. He's running again. He said, no, no, I'm going to climb up so I can bow low. I've told this story before, and I I love the story. One of my favorite preachers Bishop T.D. Jakes tells the story of going into the prisons. He said he would go into the prisons, and he always get these questions from the guys, and, and, and often he, he's, or he said he was in this particular meeting where a gentleman asked this question, and you he, he could just see it in his eyes. He was frustrated, he said, he said, Bishop, I just want to know, how did you do it? How, how did you do it? And he said in that moment, he, he had a choice to make. He was either going to tell him. Something to make himself look better, or he was going to tell him the truth. And he said this. He says, "You've made a false assumption. You've assumed that I have done it." He says, "I'm right where you're at. The only difference between me and you is you got caught." He said, "As if it wasn't by the grace of God." Now here's this this pastor that you know everyone looks up to him, and all of a sudden, what's he doing? He's creating this equality. He's saying, "Listen, I'm right. There. I need his grace." Every day. Don't look at me like I'm a hero, because I haven't arrived yet. I haven't done it yet. Um, Billy Graham once was asked, have you ever considered divorce? Billy Graham looked at that reporter in the eyes, and he said, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. (laughs) I love that. I love that. The inventor of the telegraph says this, listen, I've made an valuable application of electricity not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God, who meant it for mankind, must reveal it to someone, and by his good pleasure, he chose to do it to reveal it through me. It's like it was only by the grace of God. Really great men and women know that their greatness is not just in them, but through them. And it's something more at work. There's something that at the, at the end of the day, like, if not, but the grace of God. And like, if you don't believe that, we'll just go ask your spouse. <laughs> we'll ask your other, and we'll get the real story. The humility. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says this I am the least of the apostles. Ephesians 3, He says this, I am the least of the saints. 1 Timothy 1, he says this, I am the foremost of sinners. Do you see the progression? I'm the least of the apostles, I'm the least of the saints, I'm the foremost of sinners. And you would imagine, this is a time where the Apostle Paul, his fame has grown. People have known more and more about him. They're reading his letters. They're talking about him. They're talking about the acts that he's done. And he's saying, listen, I am the foremost of sinners, not by the grace of God, the humility that he shows. Listen, as we climb up, it only needs to make us where we bow lower. God, if not, by your grace. And this is the way of Christianity. This is the way of understanding God, to climb in prayer and to bow low. And so there's this moment where all this has happened. And he's on this mountaintop and he's praying to God. And he's got his young apprentice with him. And he says, Listen, go which way's the ocean? Yeah? No, no. Right there, the surveyor, right there. That way's the ocean. I know, I don't know. I, was, I should know this. The whole south facing beach thing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Where was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I'm back. I'm back on track. <laughs> Go look at the ocean. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing there. And he says, listen, I can hear it. I can hear it. I can't see it, but I can hear it. See, I'm here to tell you this morning, there are going to be times in your life where you've got to hear it before you see it. You've got to hear it before you see it. See, God's got to speak to your life. And you've got to know there's some things that God has spoken to me. There's some promises that he's put into my heart. There's some things that I'm praying about. But every time I lift my head in prayer, I'm not seeing it. But I could hear it. I could hear it. Can can you hear it? The prophet said, listen, there's a sound. Like the ocean's a long ways off. You can imagine his friend thinking, I don't know what he's hearing. I don't hear it. Have you ever had that moment, especially like, me and my wife will be laying in bed at night. And I'm like, do you, do you hear that? What? I, I could hear something. I don't know something. There's a drippy faucet. There's a something. I, I hear it. Go to sleep. Uh, it's bothering me. I could hear it. I kid you not. This really happened. I mean, it's bothering me. I'm like, I, I get up. I search the house. I'm flashlighting it. I'm looking at smoke detectors. Something. I could hear it. I could hear it. Something. I walk outside of my house, and the gutter there's a little raindrop hitting the gutter. Like I got found it! I'm like digging holes at three in the morning to make it where the rain doesn't hit the metal of the thing, and my wife, I get back in bed and she's like, are you happy now? I'm like, I can hear it! I knew it was out there! You got to hear it. It's like me driving home from work. I hear my kids long before I enter the house. And i got to tell you, like there's some rain happening in the house. They go into the door. who's crying? Who did it? Who sent the rain? Who hit who? Come on, daughter. I can hear it before I see it. And I already know I'm going to have to take care of something. I don't see it. What is that promise that God has given you? What is that promise that he's put in your heart? I know this gentleman that... He's been praying day after day for the salvation of his son. And days turn to weeks, and weeks turn to months, and months turn to years. And he's praying, and he's praying. He's, Lord, I've heard your voice. I know your promise to me. I know you said that me and my house, I know there's gonna be salvation come to my son. I know it's gonna happen. And he's he's climbed up, he's bowed low, and he's done it day in and day out praying, and he could hear it, but every time he lifts his head from that place of prayer, he doesn't see it. As a matter of fact, the things that he's seen, it just seems like his son's gotten crazier. There's been drugs, there's been alcohol. There's been all kinds of things. But he keeps praying. And he keeps praying. Why? Because you can't give up. And the prophet's there. And he's got he's got his head between his knees. And he's saying, Look, go look. Nothing. I want you to go look again. Nothing. And he's praying. He's praying. Some of you have been praying for healing in your bodies day in and day out. And you wake up, and your back's still hurting. And the doctor's report is still coming back negative. And your hand's still twitching, and you don't know why it won't stop. But you keep praying. And you keep praying, and God, I'm standing on your word, but every time I lift my head... There's nothing. There's nothing. I can hear it, but I just can't see it. What is it, God? What are you doing? And he does this back and forth, back and forth until all of a sudden there's this moment where the young apprentice comes and says, hey, hey, hey don't get excited or anything. But there is a cloud. It's just, it's just the size of a man's hand. It's, it's very small. Like, don't get, this ain't no gushing, and you're praying for the big gulp. God gave you the trial size. It's it small, like, I don't even know if I should mention it to you. It's a glimmer of hope at the end of your dark tunnel. It's just a hand. It's just the size of a man's hand. And all of a sudden, he springs into action. Get ready. It's getting ready to pour up in here. Sometimes you've got to take just that little glimmer of hope. Because here's the thing. It only looks like the size of a man's hand because it's a ways off, but it's on its way here. And that thing's a lot bigger than what you think. Objects are closer than they appear. It's that, it's that rear view mirror. It's closer, and it's coming, and the skies are turning black, and the rain is coming, and salvation is coming to your family, and healing is coming to your body. But don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise when it just looks like it's just the size of a man's hand. See, you've got to learn how to persevere. You've got to learn how to push through in faith of saying, God, I know what I say. I know I've been sitting here and, and I've climbed up to the top only to bow low, only to say that God, you are in control. And I'm praying for rain. There hasn't been a drop for three and a half years, and it's been very dry. And my marriage feels like it's on the rocks and it's getting ready to fall apart. And I've been praying, but things haven't been getting better. I'm here to tell you today there is a cloud. And it's coming. It may look small, but get ready, because it's getting ready to happen right here in Brunswick County, right here in this church, right here in your family, right there on that job site. But we've got to persevere. And, and I love the fact that even at the moment where it's just this glimmer of hope, it's just, it's just a small cloud, he tells them get ready. Get ready. Um, Alan told me this story. He said that he was, and if you want please stand to your feet with me. He told me this story that he was out in Arizona or something, and he was, uh, he was delivering this plane. And uh, there's this plane graveyard there where they go to, the, to retire all of these planes. And he's there, and it's just dry. It's just dry. It's a dry desert place. He says he was looking out, and then and all of a sudden there's these giant holes, uh, just, just tunnels, just uh, troughs. I don't know, what, what would you call them? Trenches, these trenches everywhere. And he's like, why are these trenches? Why are, why are there these guys out digging these trenches in the middle of the desert? He said he was in the hotel room, and all of a sudden, he said, never been through one before, but this monsoon came out of nowhere he said, within a matter of minutes, the rain came down so much that it filled up all of those trenches. It just filled them up. And he said, there was rain everywhere. It was pouring everywhere. See, the, the ground was so dry that they needed these trenches because it couldn't absorb all of it. But the thing is, somebody had to dig the trench before the rain came. Somebody had to get ready before there was even a drop on the horizon. And there's some people in here this morning, you may feel like you've been digging holes in the desert. You may feel like you've been praying prayers that just haven't been answered for years and years. But I'm here to tell you that God's getting ready to pour out. And all of that work and prayer, all of those things that you've been looking for, all of those dreams that have been in the back of your mind and the deep recesses of your heart, that you're even afraid to vocalize. God's getting ready to pour out in such a way that there's not going to be room enough to contain it. And the reason why you had to go through some of those dry spots is so that way your roots could grow down deeper. You see, they do this thing with irrigation where when they, when they lay grass down, they actually sometimes, there's points where they stop watering it. And they stop watering it so that way the grass can actually dig down deep with its roots. So that way the roots are just, I need to find some water. So that way when things get tough, the grass is gonna survive. There's been some dry times that some of y'all have went through, but it hasn't killed you. It's only made your, gro- your roots grow down deeper. And you will survive because there is a cloud. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.